stolzes Schiff streicht einsam durch die Wellen und führt uns unsere deutschen Brüder fort. Die Fahne weht, die stolzen Segel schwellen. Amerika ist ihr Bestimmungsort. These are the footprints across Texas. I'm Charles Hebert, and this is episode two, which I entitled The Crossing. The year is 1853, a year that would forever change Heinrich Kreischer. He and Amons have just completed the construction of the jail. He's adding on to his home on the bluff that overlooks the city of LaGrange. On the other side of the world in Neustadt, Germany, is a family by the name of Appelt. They will sail from Bremerhaven, Germany on the bark of Frederick de Gross. There will be six passengers in all. Among them is Franz Appelt, the older brother of Josepha Appelt. As they leave Bremerhaven, they have no idea what the crossing will look like across the Atlantic Ocean, what they will experience. It is a tough time in the Atlantic because winter is beginning to set in. The eight-week crossing finds them arriving in Galveston Bay, but they are unable to disembark because of yellow fever on board the Frederick de Gross. Every immigrant to the United States back in the day had to have an immigration card. And once the authorities had cleared the immigrant, they had to carry that card with them wherever they went. So the Bart de Gross sits in Galveston Bay for four days. Water is, is bad, meat is bad, conditions on board the ship had to be horrible. So finally, the decision is made that they move the immigrants, among them the Appelts, who have lost a son, a brother if you would, Otto, to yellow fever on the crossing. They move the immigrants to Harrisburg, which is currently Houston, via steamer. There they are met with ox carts and they begin their journey, their 100-mile journey inland to Hallettsville. Josepha Appelt arrives in Fayette County, but we don't know the reason why. She lives here, but it would be very unusual for her to be here by herself. So she had to live with someone. We also don't know how Heinrich Kreischer met Josepha Appelt, but we do know that they met. And eventually, in 1855, November the 11th, the two get married. She is a staunch Bohemian Catholic. He is Lutheran. And because of the times that they lived in, there were no Catholic priests to perform the ceremony. So therefore, they found a justice of the peace to unite them in holy matrimony. Kreischer moves his new bride, Josepha Appelt Kreischer, 
into his little house on the bluff. Within nine months, the first baby is born. Henry Louis Kreischer is born in August of 1856. So it's becoming apparent that the little house on the bluff is not going to suffice in terms of a growing family because in 1857, a second child is born and that is daughter Annie. In this whole process, this interim, if you would, the marriage of the Kreischers, Heinrich and Andreas Amens get the contract to build the courthouse, which is $15,000. The Kreischer home begins to expand. There is very little room and there is a huge addition that goes to the side, but because they had not planned on a big family and eventually they will have six children, three boys, three girls, none of which will ever be married. They have to put supporting walls against the original home to join the new addition to the house. So Kreischer uses a lot of stonemason techniques that he must have learned in Holzminden, the tie-in walls, the chimneys, how the house vents, the house sits on a north-south axis. But one can only imagine what it was like living on the bluff with two young children building a courthouse and trying to make a living. Josepha, the devout Catholic, has numerous religious items displayed throughout the house, especially in the kitchen area. One of them is a crucifix. In the den, which is in the basement, if you would, of a modern home, there is also a crucifix. Heinrich Kreischer didn't appear to be a very religious man in quite contrast to his wife. But what we do know is that all the children would be baptized Catholic and raised in the Catholic faith. Josepha Kreischer was a hard, hard worker. There is roughly 20 years difference between her and Heinrich at the date, of the, at the date that they are married. Josepha is also very proud as she competes in local growing contests of onions, of turnips, and especially of her garlic, of which the garden is still on the Kreischer property outside the kitchen door, which is wild garlic. The life on the bluff had to be rough because the, the running water is non-existent. There are no wells. It is a natural spring from which Josepha has to fetch water daily. The chores of raising two children and a family all fall on the shoulders of Josepha Kreisha. The Appelts, her brother, and the rest of the family settle in Hallettsville. Now, when they come, they are very, very prosperous. They have money versus when Josepha comes with money because she carries with her a, uh, a pendant called a taller, which is a Prussian coin made of gold, which is still in existence today. The year 1856 also saw the arrival of Josepha Kreischer's sister. She sails from Bremerhaven on board the ship 
Francisca. Her name is Francisca, so there's a little bit of irony there. She comes to LaGrange, and we believe that she lived in the Kreisha home for one year. It is 1856. She meets a man by the name of Henry Rulin. She marries Henry Rulin, and she is 27 years old. He is about 40 years old at marriage. Sadly, Francisca dies the following year after one year of marriage. She is 28 years old. She is buried in the old LaGrange Cemetery. And when I did the tours on the bluff, I often highlighted there are two sisters here in LaGrange. One is buried in the old LaGrange Cemetery. Josepha and her family are buried in the new LaGrange Cemetery. They sailed from the other side of the world and they are separated by U.S. Business Highway 71, so they will never be together. Henry Ruland remarries within a few years after the death of his bride. Oddly enough, Franziska is not buried in that same plot. So the life on the bluff in the late 1850s is very, very rough. The onset of the Civil War changes the perspective of things considerably. Kreisha evidently wasn't making much money as a stonemason, especially after the courthouse, which they paid him in promissory notes because the county did not have money. They sold school bonds. And when you do the research, and I had the opportunity to do that, you actually see the promissory notes the man received. Somewhere in that period, he made the decision to become a brewer. And there the rest of the story begins.